wanna welcome you guys to church. Uh, everybody that's watching online, we wanna welcome you guys. If you're a guest with us today, we're so glad you're here. We've been praying for you. My name's Casey, I'm the lead pastor at this location. And uh, I just wanna tell you a little bit about how we have a leadership structure here at Northwood Church. A lot of people uh, say, man, what, what's the team look like? We have four locations now. As a matter of fact, it's the second Sunday of our Ocean Springs location. Come on, let's give it up, everybody. Pretty excited. We have a senior pastor, Jordan Decody, and uh, he's actually at our Ocean Springs location right now. And we have lead pastors over each location. And uh, right here at Gulfport, that's me. And then we have Pastor Stephen in Ocean Springs, Pastor Mike Menace in Wiggins, and Pastor Micah Butterfield in Long Beach. And so we're one great team. We really are. And, and our mission is to help people know God to grow in Christ and to go in the power of the Holy Spirit until Jesus returns. And uh, you know, collectively as a team, we, we have about close to a century of pastoral experience here. And so this is a safe place to be in a church. I've been here for about 20 years now. I've been on staff as a pastor for 13 years. And um, we're excited to continue to build here in this local church. You know, Jesus said that he gave the church a gift, some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be teachers, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors. And uh, really as a team, we kind of make up the five-fold ministry. And, uh, you know, we're not a perfect team, but we're a dedicated team. And uh, so what we're doing these first couple weeks as a team, each pastor in their location is kind of sharing something that's in their heart uh, to talk about. So the first two weeks, we're going to actually talk about some things that are in my heart for this location, this community. And then the, the last four weeks, we're actually going to talk about family and, and what that looks like in the family. So we're pretty excited about it. You know, there's two institutions that God actually gave the church, and one is the family and one is the church. And the enemy seeks to attack both of those institutions greatly. How many of you know that? And so the enemy attacks your family, but the enemy actually attacks the community that you're a part of, uh, which is a local church, a, a group of people who have been called out of darkness into his light where there's order, there's government, there's pastoral oversight. We have overseers here, which is wonderful. One of our, uh, our, our, our ex-senior pastor, Pastor Van Decody, who's my father-in-law, Jordan's father, he's one of the overseers. He's been a pastor for 30 years now. Let's give it up for Pastor Van. And so this is a safe place. We're not just a bu bunch of young whippersnappers swinging the bat real hard. You know what I'm saying? Now, I'm like Peter. I like to cut off ears and pray that Jesus would glue them back on. However, <laughs> we all have our strengths and weaknesses, don't we? You know, at the end of the year, uh, and, and I, I don't want to sound like it's super spiritual or anything like that, but for me, at the end of every year, and uh, I kind of pray and ask God, what's the word for the year for me as a personal individual that he wants to work on or something that I can look towards, uh, something that I can remind myself of, just a word from God for my life. And uh, this year was the year of building for me. And uh, I'm going to build a lot of different things. And one of those things is the leadership strength here at Northwood Church at this particular location. And I really felt that as I was taking on the responsibility to lead this location, God kind of pressed into my heart that you're to build the leadership strength here. 
And I know leadership is a big word, and a lot of times when we think about leadership, immediately we think about titles, don't we? We think about who's in charge and, 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 and who's the boss, you know what I'm talking about? And um, yeah, there, there's titles and there's offices and, and there's places of honor that are given uh, in, in, a, in a local church to establish order, and we have that. But when, I, when you think about leadership, I really want you to think about being a person of influence, uh, being a person that, that influences people for Christ, but thinking about that God calls you to a place of influence. Matter of fact, I want to title today's message, Responding to the Call of Leadership. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. It's living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. God, it goes deep into our life. It touches us. It leaves us naked before you, God, so that you can graciously encourage us to continue to follow you. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us today as individuals and as a local community. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm kind of going back into the Old Testament a little bit, uh, into the book of 1 Kings for the next couple of weeks. This will be part one. We'll, we'll, we'll move into part two next week. But there's a couple main characters in this story, and one of them is Elijah, with a J, and Elisha. And these guys were prophets in the Old Testament, and they counseled kings, and they spoke in behalf of God, and, and they, they, really, they really were speaking about the covenant God made with the children of Israel, and they, they, were, they were telling the people to repent. Uh, and in that time, around nine, it was the ninth century BC, sometime in that era, uh, Israel, the nation of Israel, was really divided into two regions, the north and the south, the southern region and the northern region. And there was a king in the northern region by the name of King Ahab, and he married a Canaanite wife by the name of Jezebel, and they really incorporated Baal worship into Israel, which is really defiling God. They brought Baal worship into the nation, and God, how many know that God will send his prophets and he will say, this is wrong, this is, you need to make a course correction for my glory, and he was raising up prophets, one of them was Elijah, and he was a crazy dude, you know what I'm talking about, you gotta go back and read about his life, he was a crazy guy, but nevertheless, God can use crazy people sometimes. Fortunately, I'm one of those guys, so... How many crazy people do we have in here, you know? <laughs> Elijah was one of them, and God had used Elijah to confront King Ahab and his wickedness and, and his Canaanite God that he brought into the, into the land of Israel, God's people, a theocratic government. And uh, he said, repent, and he confronted Ahab, and these guys had uh, uh, about 400 prophets of Baal, false prophets. And uh, Elijah said, you know what? I'll tell you what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge the false prophets and, and we're gonna build an altar and we're all gonna gather around this altar. And the God, the one true God who answers by fire, that's the, that's the ever living God. And we'll know it's either the God of Baal or it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Israeli and God, the one true God. And they went through their rituals and the prophets of Baal called upon their false God. They did their dance, you know what I'm talking about? And they tried and they tried and they tried and they didn't, then no fire hit the sacrifice. And so Elijah stepped up on the scene and he prayed to the God of Israel. And guess what? He answered by fire and consumed the sacrifice. 
And then remember Elijah was a little crazy. He brought the 400 prophets on down by the river and killed them all. And, so, and, and, and it was, it's a type and shadow of eradicating sin. Not telling any of you to go kill anybody, by the way. It's, it's a type and shadow of eradicating sin from the camp, from the community of Israel. And so we got this great man of God, this prophet, who called fire down, who wiped out the prophets of Baal, and word got back to King Ahab and his wife Jezebel. And Jezebel sent a threat to Elijah and said, what you did to those prophets, I'm gonna do to you basically within a couple days. You're gonna die. And the prophet ran and hid in a cave. Can you imagine that? All of a sudden, fear began to grip this man of God and drive him out of his calling, drive him out of the place that God had called him to operate in into a cave, and that's where we're gonna pick up the story real quick. First Kings chapter 19, verse nine. There, Elijah, he came to a cave and he lodged in it. I don't know about you, but if I bring my book bag, my toothbrush, my socks, and a couple pair of clothes, I'm staying for a little while, I'm lodging. He didn't just go in there to get a drink of water, calm his central nervous system, and go back out into the battle. It said that he lodged in it. He camped out into the place of compromise because fear can paralyze the call in your life. Think about that with me real quick. Fear has the ability to paralyze the call in your life to be influencers for Christ. We're all called, by the way, to be influencers for Christ. We're all called to cooperate in the Great Commission. We're called to co-labor in the Great Commission. And so we're called by God. I just wanted to let you know, everybody, that you're called. I know that's a shocker to some of you. And I believe that God wants to activate that call in your life but sometimes this thing called fear begins to paralyze the call in our life, and it can be voices from within us. You know, the mind is a battlefield. It, it can be voices from without. It can be voices of manipulation coming from other people. That's what happened to Elijah, the prophet. There was voices coming from other people, Jezebel, the wicked king, they sent him a letter, you know what I'm talking about? He opened up his Facebook thread. And he, and he saw evil and he, and, he, and, he, and he heard the negativity and, and, and all of a sudden he began to be paralyzed in fear versus operating in faith and it drove him into a cave. How many of you know that fear will drive you into isolation? And fear has many different facets to it it's like a hand with many claws. Sometimes you just can't put your finger on why you're, what's happening to you, but if you go down to the root of it, it's fear. And fear comes in many different shapes and many different forms. And the, the, the dangerous thing about this thing called fear is when you actually believe it as truth. Because fear is a deception. It's an illusion. And if you look at that illusion and that deception or you listen to that voice long enough, 
all of a sudden it becomes real to you. Then when it becomes real to you, it begins to shape your behavior. It begins to shape your interpretation of the preaching of the word of God and the word of God. It, begin, it begins to manipulate your relationships. It, 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 it begins to, to contort what God wants to do in your life and it drives you away from the place where you were once thriving to a place of isolation where you're barely surviving. And in that place of isolation, in that cave, all of a sudden you can start magnifying yourself and how good you were and begin to blame shift other people and it's a contortion meant to paralyze you and stifle what God wants to do in your life and that's what was happening to Elijah. Check it out, verse 11. Excuse me, uh, verse, verse nine uh, uh, verse 11, or nine, excuse me, nine and then 10, watch this. And behold, this is what happened to Elijah in the cave. And I love this because God still speaks to you even if you're in the cave. Come on, somebody. <laughs> David, the psalmist said, if I make my bed in hell, you're there. <laughs> if I, you know what I'm talking about. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah, and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah. Isn't that a good, I, I love when God speaks that way. You mean God would actually speak to me that way? Yes, he will. What are you doing here? He's speaking to some of you right now. What are you doing here? Not in this room, but what are you doing? Why are you in the cave? Verse 10, here's what Elijah said. I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. Look, see what he's doing? He's talking about the people of Israel. God asked Elijah what he's doing. Think about that real quick. Not what I'm doing, what are you doing? Not what they're doing, not what that pastor's doing, not what that community's doing, not what that church doing, not what happened in that small group, not what happened to there, not the gossip over there and the gossip over there. What are you doing in the cave? <laughs> For the people of Israel, they've forsaken your covenant, they've thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, and I am the only prophet left and they're seeking to take my life away too. You know what we give God when he speaks to us? Excuses. He decorated this big speech. We used to say this a long time ago. There's many reasons, but no excuses. He gave this big speech how he's the only prophet left in the land, and he's the only one who's bringing the word of God. And, and, but God's like, why are you in a cave, man? We're not talking, come on. <laughs> you know, sometimes we overcomplicate God, and he's just like, what are you doing there? What's really going on? You know that God already knows what's really going on? He just wants to hear you tell him what's really going on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just, yes, Lord, you know what's going on. Something's wrong with me. How many know that's a good prayer? God, there's something wrong with me. Now, it doesn't mean that you, that's not an image killer, by the way. That's not a self-esteem killer, by the way. It's saying I'm utterly dependent upon your grace to move forward. That's what it's saying. We give God excuses. We blame people. We believe that we're the only ones, the great glorious ones, the great Remnant. 
the only ones that carried the sword of God. The rest are puny. There's none left. There was none like me in my heyday. <laughs> Here's what God said. He said, well, I don't think he's hearing me very well. Let me raise the volume. Verse 11, and he said to Elijah, he didn't respond to all that. He said, go out, stand on the mount before the Lord. Brace yourself, young man, right? Get out there and stand before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great strong, and a strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. That's a pretty big windstorm. Tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. We look for God in the spectacular sometimes, right? God, I just believe that somebody's gonna call me right here in the cave. And it's gonna have a wonderful, just prophetic word that's gonna draw me out, right? Not in an earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in a fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak. Wait a second, this is the powerful prophet. He was just, you know, wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave and behold, there came a voice to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? You know, sometimes we want another answer, but God's waiting for us. See, God always gives us second chances. Always. That's what I love about Jesus. There's none righteous, no, not one. And uh, there's no, that's not, there's no, there's no one in here has never sinned. It's like cast the first stone. But God brought Elijah back out and said, let me turn the volume up a little bit. I don't think you're hearing me clearly. Your mind is still clouded with deception. You're still making excuses. You're still being contorted by fear. You're still pointing your fingers at other people. And he said to Elijah, what? are you doing here, Elijah? I'm waiting for your response. I'm not through with you yet. There's still a mission for you to complete. I still wanna use you. How many of you know that when you fall down, you can get back up and God still wants to use you? A righteous man may fall seven times, but he doesn't stay down. He gets back up because of the grace of God. And even though there's condemnation at first, now there's no condemnation because we have an advocate with the Father. His name is Jesus Christ. Does that mean we sin so that grace can abound? No, but when we do sin, grace abounds and we can receive that grace and open our heart and begin to press forward again. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus and not stay paralyzed in fear. And God was giving him a second chance to respond properly. It's a question I put in my notes. Will I respond properly? Will, will I respond properly? God doesn't give up on us. You give up on yourself. People give up on you. God doesn't give up on you. But Elijah he didn't respond properly. Here's what he said, verse 14. Same old rhetoric. Broken record. Everybody been a broken record? My wife's told me that before. You're a broken record. <laughs> I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. 
thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I and I am the only one left, and they come to seek my life and take it, from my, take it away from me. And the Lord said to him, all right, all right, man, we're gonna retire you right now. It's time to retire, Elijah. And the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, with a S-H, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, Mahola, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. This is a sobering reminder that God's plan doesn't hinge on one man. God's plan does not hinge on one man. So when you think you're great, remember that. God does, God's plan, he's, he's sovereign. He's gonna build his church and the gates of hell, the politics of the world, the famines of the world, the disasters of the world, the plagues of the world, and the list go on, shall not prevail against his church. The, plan, the plans won't prevail against his church. He's the beginning of time and he's the end of time. He's sovereign. He works through catastrophe. He works through success. When you study the Old Testament, a pattern of God working with man, it says he has the heart of the king in his hand and he turns it as he pleases. And when you don't understand, you chalk it up to faith because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. And our hope is in a city whose maker is God. It's called eternity. That's why we fight the good fight of faith and we respond to the call of God because we're serving a God of the invisible because the things which are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And so we're in a spiritual fight and we, and, and we shall fight the good fight of faith and carry the baton of the gospel no matter what context it looks like. Some of you guys have been reading Facebook too much. God's plan doesn't hinge on one man. And the inconsistency of man will not stop God. And when I was reading this scripture, when he said, now go and anoint Elisha, the prophet, to take your place, I was reminding that God is calling the next generation of leaders. God is calling the next generation of leaders. One of our core values here is we're generational, which simply means we're intentionally building now for the next generation. That's why we have a collective of a close to a century of pastoral experience right now in our pastoral staff. And we have the gray hairs in here and we have the bald heads in here. That was for some of you, and, or one of you. I'm just kidding. And we have the young whippersnappers and because we're a generational community and God is calling the next generation. And some of you have to respond to his call of leadership to be used by God. Some of you have responded to that call and God's affirming you right now and saying you're responding to the call 
You're the next generation. Oh, Elijah, he, he listened to God. First Kings chapter 19, he said, oh, he, he got out the cave. You know, sometimes it takes the old foot in the rear to get you out of the cave. So Elijah departed from there, found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him. And he was the 12th. <laughs> or he was with the 12th, sorry. He was with the 12th. Pretty pitiful scene, huh? Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. How many of you would like that call? That's like me walking by and say, hey, you're leading next semester in small groups. <laughs> Who, me? <laughs> Who, me? See, God uses the ordinary to do extraordinary things. Elisha, the dude's a farmer, man. Come on, somebody. He never went to seminary. He wasn't a monk in the mountains. Right? His daddy, his daddy must have been a farmer. He wasn't a priest. But God called him to be a prophet. <laughs> God will take the ordinary to do the extraordinary things. I love Jesus. Isn't that what Jesus did, everybody? Think about it in Matthew Chapter four, Jesus, while he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. <laughs> they were fishermen, right? Ordinary. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. That's for you guys. That's for me. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I'll use you to bridge the gap. I'll use your testimony. I'll use your story. I'll use your simple text message to that individual. I'll use that invite. I'll use that scripture that you share with somebody because you're coming out of the cave and you're not in fear to save the lost what I love about this, verse 20, immediately they left their nets and they followed him. I always laugh about that because there was a guy in the boat by the name of Zebedee. He was his father. They, they had a little family business going. They, they're like, I'm out. And Zebedee was like, thank God I ain't got to pay you knuckleheads anymore. <laughs> it's all me and mamas. See, responding in faith doesn't mean that you have all the answers. Responding in faith doesn't mean you have all the answers. Doesn't mean we, we're dumb and we don't use wisdom. No, 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 no. You know what I'm talking about. You're not gonna have all the answers to respond in faith. You just have to go. It was funny what Jesus did with his disciples when his departure was getting closer. He, he, was, he was warning them. He was telling them, hey guys, you know, my, my time of departure is drawing near. I'm gonna die no, 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 Jesus, you can't die. You can't do that. Peter, he was like that. He was a little slow. Jesus was like, no, Peter, get behind me, Satan. How many like that? If, if a pastor or somebody told you after you gave a bunch of rhetoric to get behind me, Satan, <laughs> you're mindful of the things of men of this earth, not of God. Peter, he still stuck around. He, he was called Satan and he still stuck around. You know, sometimes we need a little bit of thick skin in the church. Come on, somebody. Can you take a whipping and keep on ticking? <laughs> 
But Jesus told them, and they, they were all like, God, we don't know what to do. He said, look, I must go so the Holy Spirit can come and the Holy Spirit will be with you, thus I'll be with you always and forever to the ends of the age and go forth and do the work of the ministry. You didn't have to have all the answers. They didn't have all the answers in the early church. They had the Spirit of God, they had the Word from God, and they began to toil with right hearts. Did they make a lot of mistakes? Absolutely. But we're here today because Jesus was building his church. It was Jesus building his church. You know how it is sometimes you want all the answers. Let me pray about it. You ever heard that? Yeah, yeah, brother, I, I get it. Yeah, mm-hmm. let, let, me, let me really go pray about it. And you ain't prayed in about three months, but all of a sudden you're gonna start praying. How about this? Get, uh, give me more details. I need the five-year plan. Now exactly how much time is this gonna take, Jesus? We forget that it's Jesus calling us and sometimes when there's an invitation from a man, we criticize that, not realizing that God uses a man to call you. It said that God was calling Elijah the prophet and Elisha had no clue in the cave that Elisha was over here with the ox and God was doing a work in his heart, but God took Elijah the prophet and said, go talk to this man and it was God who sealed the deal. We forget about that, don't we? Give me the five-year plan. Tell me how long it's gonna take. I wonder if Elisha did that. Let's find out, verse 20. And he left the oxen. Might have been easy for him to leave the oxen. It probably smelled real bad. He left the oxen and ran after Elijah. And he said, let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. Verse 21, and he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh. He killed that thing with the yokes of the oxen and he gave it to the people, they ate it. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. I think that that's a real good picture of honor. I think that's a beautiful picture of learning from the next generation. I think that's a beautiful picture of humility. He didn't come out there wet behind the ears and said, God has called me Elijah and stood on his little bitty soapbox. I know you've been doing this for a long time, but you don't know nothing. I've got all the answers. Don't you know I'm an armchair quarterback? I've been writing plays for a long time. Popcorn and Coke and stencil pad. You know it's true. Just looks a little bit different, like gossip. Backbiting. However, this was a great picture of humility and honor. Paul the Apostle said, follow me as I follow Christ. Learn from my ways. That, 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 that is, learn from my mistakes. Learn from my failures. Learn how I fell down and repented and kept going. Learn how the grace of God is still operating. And walk with humility, and God's gonna open up doors for you to continue, continue to minister. And he assisted him. We need more assistance. 
I love it. He left the oxen. The disciples left Zebedee in the boat, followed Jesus. You know what that speaks to me? That God calls and we pursue. God's calling you to participate in his kingdom, not my kingdom, his kingdom. This is a community that reflects the kingdom of God. This is not a building. Some people get confused. This is a community. Back in the old, they gathered around amphitheaters that were made out of rock. They herald the gospel. They herald the word of God and they went to house to house and broke bread. We do that in small groups. We're about to kick off our small group semester here real quick. And we're a community of believers and God has a word for this community which is respond to the call. God calls, we pursue. God calls, we pursue. It says that he left the oxen, he left, and it says he went after Elijah and assisted him. It, he said he went after him. I, it never told me that Elijah put him in a headlock and an arm bar. I used to do that when I was a young Christian. Zealot for God. I used to go to people's house and to pick them up from church, for church. I was so hungry to see their soul saved. And, and they'd be drug addicts and they'd be up all night and they'd, they'd, they'd hear me coming. You know what I'm talking about? You know when you're walking up to somebody's house early to pick them up from church and you know they've probably been up all night on that dope. And as you're coming up that driveway, you see those blinds go down and go back up. And I'd stiff leg those doors and say, I'm gonna manhandle you to church. That doesn't work, everybody. <laughs> Let me give you, it worked for a few. God calls, we pursue. Verse 20 again says, immediately they left their nets and they followed Jesus. I wanna pray for you right now all over this place. I don't know where you are. Some of you, God's calling for the very first time. He's calling you out of darkness into his light. He does that through miraculous power. That's called a miracle, folks. He's been calling you. Some of you are watching online. He's calling you. He wants a relationship with you. He stands at the door and knocks knocks and we let him in the Bible says that if we would confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Christ died for our sins and put our faith and trust in him and him alone his name is Jesus that we would be saved that you would be redeemed let me pray for you right now you're just saying, Lord, that's me. Redeem me. It's that simple. Redeem me, God. Forgive me. It says that as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he will remove the transgressions from your life. And he says that I will remember your sin no more. Some of you right now are receiving the Holy Spirit and are being justified by your faith in Christ and Christ alone. And he remembers your sin no more. And now you're a son and a daughter of God. You've been brought near into his everlasting covenant 
by the blood of Christ and Christ alone. Nothing you've done, nothing you can do. It's by Christ alone. I wanna encourage you, you might remember your past and so will people, but God has forgotten it. And you're simply gonna follow him and get attached to the local body of believers called the church right here at Northwood. We're excited for you and we love you. Let's give it up everybody for those who prayed that prayer. What I'm gonna do right now is I'm gonna begin to pray over this community right here, Northwood Church, Gulfport location, if you're watching online, that we would respond to the call of leadership. Let's stand to our feet. Father, we're praying right now, God, that we would respond to your call, Lord. God, I'm praying, God, that those who've been in the cave and God, those who've been under the torment of manipulation and fear and those who have been in procrastination and, the, and, the, and those who've made excuses, God, that Lord, they would respond to your call right now, Lord, and your grace and your power would fuel them, God. Lord, we're praying that you would fill us with your power to continue in the great commission, God, because we want you to be magnified. God, we want you to be lifted up. This is not about us, God. This is about you getting glory. And so, God, we're gonna pray and we're gonna praise you right now, God, that you would be magnified in our life, that you would be magnified in this community, God, that you would be magnified in our jobs, that you'd be magnified in our homes, God, that you would get the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Christ be magnified.
um, someone will contact you and we'll make sure that you get connected. We want to make sure that you know everything that you need to know about Northwood because we want you in our family. Um, as always, we have prayer partners after service. They're going to line up right here. If you have a prayer request, if you need someone to agree with you in prayer about anything, they're here for you after service and would love to connect with you. And then lastly, we have two ways to give, either online or at the um, mailing address on the screen behind me. Your giving not only goes towards our operational costs, but it goes towards partnerships that we have with local and global ministries that we all get to be a part of. One of those amazing ministries is Gulf Coast Community Ministries. They operate here locally. Um, and by providing food, clothing, medical care, education, and spiritual counseling, they're working to meet the needs of um, impoverished people on the Gulf Coast. And it's super amazing that we get to be a part of that because of your generosity. And we're so thankful for that. Um, again, I'm so glad that you guys chose to join us today. We love y'all and we hope you have an amazing day.